At least I don't have to clap this time. Yeah, I should high five anyways, though. Yeah, definitely. Cool. <laughs> I don't feel like that was a clap. Though, so that <laughs> I feel like that's, that's Instead of being on different computers. Um, we'll get to why in a minute. But hello. Hi. Hi. It's weird, like, looking at you in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I prefer when you look at me in the hair. Right. I should do that, actually. That, that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> um, I think this is maybe the third episode only that, like, we are recording like directly across from each other because yeah i got a microphone pretty quickly and then i would record upstairs right right, right. <laughs> um and that was great and then of course um you know i've been recording from my apartment since and so yeah. it just feels really awkward and i don't recommend it like no one should ever <laughs> podcast this way it's weird <laughs> i i think the one thing that we'll notice uh listeners is we may have more ums and uhs and more stutters and whatnot because yeah. since we're recording on the same feed, I won't be able to like easily edit out the, the stuff. Yeah, so it's going to sound like garbage and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the spontaneity will lend itself well to this. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so this is uh, like mid-September. Um, I had to think about that for a second. I was like, are you sure? It is. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it is. When was the last episode? It was like May or something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it was May was the last episode because yeah. we had talked about things upcoming mm-hmm. and one of them was the podcast's first birthday. Right. right. Um, and then we kept saying to each other, we probably should record something for the podcast's birthday and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> By the way... Handmade gift card exchange this November. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole plan yeah, all right. along. Yeah, it was so. For 2021. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not 2020. Right. Um, we had had our third anniversary in, in July. July. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a birthday a little while ago. Yeah. That was fun. Um, we went to New York City. We did in July, like mid July. Late July or yeah, we went sometime in July. Yeah. It was a July day. It was a July day. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. We saw, um, we ate so much food. We yeah. walked around Brooklyn. We saw the Fun City live show. A caveat, and um, it was a great adventure. Okay, hold on, because <laughs> I love how you just skipped over the fact that you had my ass. Out in the city streets until like 3.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You were a very good sport. Oh, it was a hard time. Okay, the context (laughs) is we went to the Fun City Show, which is a podcast. uh, Funcity.ventures is their website. Um, I've been following them for since the lockdown started. And after the show, 
there was kind of just like some like post show chatting and whatnot and then it was like hey do you want to go out and get drinks and so like the remaining members of the cast a few other lingering attendees and then us mm-hmm. walked to like a nearby like manhattan bar i mm-hmm. don't remember what the name was i have no idea yeah no it was clue. a little like it was i want to say dive bar but it wasn't like a dive bar it was a nice dive bar um neon signs and pool table etc okay I, I mean, well, how would yeah. you describe it? I, I don't think that I would describe it as a nice dive bar. <laughs> I would say that it was very dive bar esque. Sure. Like sure. it's in that range. Nobody got stabbed. There were no fights. There no. was no like yelling. There was dancing. We played pool. We got all hang out together. I, there was I worked. Food. I sent Slack messages at one o'clock in the morning. Didn't realize what I was doing. I was having a really hard time being social. Yeah, it was great. It was very late, though. I mean, I remember, like, asking you earlier in the afternoon. Because I, you know, I guess I'm old. And so I think that things should start at reasonable times. And I'm thinking that this show probably starts at, like, 6 or 7. And I'm like, boops. Boops, what time does the show start? And you're like, 10? And I'm like, at night? (laughs) <laughs> oh, was, was it a 10 that started? yeah it was 10 that's right yeah and so it only went for gosh what was it like an hour or something yeah. right yeah um it did not have enough time <laughs> it was not enough time it really wasn't like it was it was really good and i don't have like i don't follow the show um and nearly as closely as you do mm-hmm. and so i kind of went into this and this was my like first experience with fun city ventures mm-hmm. as like a thing mm-hmm um, I listened to some of the Float City stuff, yeah. which is a different a different podcast for a different day. It's the it's the same people. Fun City they're playing the tabletop role playing game Shadowrun, yeah. And Float City, which was a digression that ended up lasting a whole year. Right. They played a still to be unreleased tabletop role playing game system called Stillfleet. Um, very different kind of energy, but still hilarious and fun and awesome. I can't say enough good things about it. You just have to check it out. Um, I I like Float City. Mm-hmm. I still haven't listened to Fun City. I don't give a shit about either podcast. What I will say and I think is way, way better is that the people behind the podcast are fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I, like, they are... It was really cool to, like, actually see them in person and have as little conversation as I did with them, but Mm -hmm. some conversation to hear, like, the cool things that they all do outside of the podcast. Yeah. Um, And then maybe gently follow uh, Source Stock on them on Twitter. It's been (laughs) a great time. Um, But as people, like, the podcasts are good. Uh, Well, you know, I like Float City. I'm sure Fun City is great because it's all the same people, but, like, Mm. I'm really, like... Whatever these people do for the rest of their lives, I'm on board, you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It was it was a good time, though. I just was It seemed all, like you had fun. I was just having a very hard time being social because I have been in the confines of my own, like, body prison for yeah. a year and a half. And I don't know how to be a person anymore. And it was past yeah. my fucking bedtime. <laughs> it was past my bedtime when we left the hotel. Um, <laughs> but it was really great. And it was really like everything, like me being there at all was really just to see your big cheesy smile. Okay. And I, worth it. Worth it. 100% so worth it. what Monique isn't telling you. Oh, that's not fair. Is that <laughs> prior to the show, she had messaged them on Twitter and had said... 
just asked if they could do something special for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I, just as like a, is this possible kind right. of thing. Yeah. And so um, I, I follow and interact with a few of them on Twitter already. So they kind of knew who I was and also through the Discord. Um, and so we're sitting there waiting for the show to start. And then one of the uh, players or actresses. Cast or members. Cast, cast yeah. members. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jen, she, um, I just bought her cookbook that she made, um, and she came out and brought me a shell that was, like, written out to me, and it was from the sea, and mm-hmm. that's, like, it has a significance, like, within the show, it's kind of like an inside joke, and I about cried. Yeah, I didn't I, get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't And just, I didn't have to. <laughs> it wasn't just the shell, it was, like, right after that happened, um... Mo gave me, Mo showed me the, the, oh, the DM, DM that he sent them. Yeah. And then that was what, like, that was what <laughs> almost, like, made me fall apart. <laughs> but it was, it was an amazing evening, though. It was, it was great. Yeah. It was really good. Um, and then for my birthday, we, excuse me, we both took the day off work from our respective jobs and we went hiking. And it's this little place here in Ithaca and it's kind of a renegade trail like it's oh it's definitely renegade trail. yeah it's not a, <laughs> it's not on any maps or anything I, I've been going up this trail for several years maybe I think 10 years ago is mm-hmm. what my photo archive was saying um I've gone up with a bunch of different friends over the years and it's very challenging and it's just beautiful and uh, it has a lot of. It has my favorite place in Ithaca ever. I'll let you describe it. Oh God, <laughs> it's like. I think first of all that it's a renegade trail is absolutely like point one. Mm-hmm. Like you are not like beaten path. Mm-hmm. Like you you are off trail. You are make your own way, and that you found this green luscious mossy rocky gorge of a like trail full of waterfalls is not at all fucking surprising to me and is so incredibly perfect for the kind of person that you are Mm -hmm. because not only is it a gorgeous space like it's it's just absolutely remarkable like it's one of those kinds of places that you're like holy shit nature can do this yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what and and that it's here like in this city is and you know we're not strangers to gorges or waterfalls at all no <laughs> like and you know even i grew up in hawaii so you know i've seen all sorts of stuff but like this just felt like like powerfully like nature spiritual gross mm-hmm. woo woo i loved it it's yeah. totally you. Yeah. It's it's all that. <laughs> um and it was it was a really great time. Like yeah. it was my first time visiting mm-hmm. because um I mean, I'm glad that we went the day that we went. The weather was perfect. The weather was absolutely gorgeous even though we did get caught in the rain on the, walking uh, yeah. back. On on the very end, the very last leg where it's yeah. just kind of like flattened out. Um, the rain started in earnest, and then we came out of the trees, and it was, 
don't know if I call it torrential downpour, but it was a heavy <laughs> it was, downpour. It was heavy downpour. And we had to walk about probably about two miles to get back to the car. Yeah, but it was still that was even it was, fun. Yeah, it, it was, was great. great. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this is. So there's a series of about like 15 waterfalls and mm-hmm. they they have kind of it's not quite progressive difficulty like the early ones are very easy and some of the later ones are more challenging but there's like you know ups and downs throughout and um the what what did we decide it was 13 I think it, yeah it okay. was, I think it was 13 if we can, we'll put a photo up on the on the show notes. I don't know if that's possible with Anchor. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll okay. put it on somebody's Instagram. It'll be up <laughs> on the internet somewhere. But there is... Uh, oh, we... Ha- the podcast has a Twitter account. Oh, okay. We can we'll, actually use that. What we'll the fuck? That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the this one waterfall is... Um, it's... I'm not even sure how to describe it. it. It seems impossible. Yeah. You're you're like like every other waterfall. There's one where you have to literally climb up about ten feet of rock in like with water coming at your face, like mm-hmm. like you're you're climbing into an actual waterfall. Most of them you could kind of cheat your way around by going up rocks to the side of the water. Right. But where, there's one that's like it's it feels doable, but it's challenging. This one looks like it's not doable and mm-hmm. it's challenging. Mm-hmm. It's basically a waterfall with a pool of water at the bottom, probably six feet deep, I think. I don't know. I've never fallen in it. But there's basically a vertical face next to it. And it looks like it's sheer. Yeah. And there's like a little kind of shelf that goes right up to that sheer face that sits along the side of the pool. And. Um, the very first time I climbed it 10 years ago, my friends and I got to this point and then I'm like, oh, well, I guess we have to turn around. Mm-hmm. And then there had been a tree that had fallen and was like kind of straddling the waterfall. So it was like going down into the pool at the bottom and it was like also touching the top. And I was like, I think we could climb that tree. <laughs> and so we just sort of climbed up it. Like, I mean, it wasn't, it was kind of a smooth surface. So it wasn't easy. But it was doable. And so we climbed that. And then the next time we went there, I think a year later, uh, my friends and I, the tree wasn't there. Every time <laughs> I've gone up this trail, it's different somehow. Because nature is amazing. Um, but every time after the first time, there's been no tree. And so you have to just climb it, find the footholds, and like scale up the surface of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd, I'd like you to describe your experience <laughs> with this. Cause I've been up it a bunch. You tell your part of the story. I I appreciate the way you prepared me for it. Mm-hmm. Because you were very clear, like, you're going to see this waterfall and it's going to feel totally unclimbable. <laughs> like, but, you know, you obviously have climbed the waterfall a few times. And others with you have also climbed the waterfall. And so, clearly, it is not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um. I think a thing that I worried about was the changing face of nature potentially making it more treacherous than maybe we both could have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I didn't vocalize any of those concerns. I was just like, okay, well, you go first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, you got, like, halfway up, and I was like, okay, cool. But then, like, like looking up at that, like, that sheer, like, mm-hmm. rock facade, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, where where do I put my hands? Where do I put my feet? Like, how is this going to go? And then remembering, of course, that rocks are slippery. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm wearing these, like, Nike Downshifter 9s. They're these kids' sneakers, running sneakers, because, you know, I don't fucking climb waterfalls i don't have like waterfall sneakers or whatever like do they even make those nike hit me up let's let's work on this um like and so i'm like okay uh i have to i have to do this like obviously Mm -hmm. like we're gonna we're gonna get this shit done because it is not impossible and you've already made it halfway up yeah and um i think like the first part even though it felt like really really challenging Mm -hmm. like just knowing where to put things like i was able to scale pretty quickly fairly easily um like maybe like a few stumbles on like where to put my hands or whatever i was afraid to break a nail which is ridiculous we were on a trail but like you know i didn't want it to happen on a rock that would have hurt that would have hurt um and I got to the like midway point where you're like right across the threshold. We have to cross over to the other side of the waterfall. You have to literally go over the water. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not a gigantic leap. Like we're not taking a run and a jump. It, you know, it's, it's like three feet. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's still it feels like miles and miles and miles when you are kind of slipping on a rock mm-hmm. and you don't really have a good hold or a good like grasp on a rock that your hand is on. Mm-hmm. And like... I'm certain at this point, standing up there, that, like, I'm going to fall into the water below, hit my head on a rock and die or something. Fucking terrible. (laughs) And, like, I think for a second even, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I I don't have the capacity to do this. I cannot do this. I need to go back down. Yeah. And I did look down for a second. And I was like, wait, no. Like... That this is all that I have to do. Like, mm-hmm. I just have to get across and then getting up, you know, like if I've done this, I can get the rest of the way up. Mm-hmm. And so you were across already and you were reaching out for me. And I was like really scared to mm-hmm. let go of anything, to have like any sort of imbalance mm-hmm. because then I knew I was going to fall. But like, I kind of just like took a breath and just went for it. And of course, made it across with yeah. your help of you 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 didn't need my help you could have done that on your own i I might have been able to (laughs) my hand my extended hand was really only just for reassurance really Mm -hmm. i didn't pull you though Mm -hmm. like i don't even feel like you pushed down like to steady yourself you had balance you made the step yourself it was oh it was like it was a really profound moment Mm -hmm. um and then getting up the rest of the way was okay. No problems. Yeah. Um, but, like, I was shaking and, like, my heart was, like, pounding and racing for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think the thing that we realized was that even if you had taken Monique of a year ago to this place, I would have looked at the base of that and turned around and walked away. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, nah, we're good. Like, <laughs> I've had enough. Let's just go back. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I ever would have even considered pushing myself to get to the top of that waterfall at all. You had such a great amount of courage and determination. And I, when I was climbing it, all right, 
the first six feet are challenging. Mm -hmm. The first couple steps are difficult because, like, you just have to find these tiny footholds. Mm -hmm. And the footholds and the handholds are, they're not steps. They are, like, no. slightly eroded, tiny little pockets. And, and we're talking, like, inches. Yeah. They are very small and really, like, you get a couple toes onto them at most, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first couple steps are challenging, but not that scary because if you lose your footing, you can just step backwards and you're okay. The next part, though, when you go from those footholds to the next set of footholds, which are the same, mm -hmm. they're just higher up, <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah. And I, even as even though I've been up it like a half dozen times, I, that was the moment I was like, oh shit, that's right. This isn't easy. Right. And I was, I was worried for you. Like I, I was just... I was worried, like, did I, am I giving you too much to do? Like, is this going to be too challenging? Did I prepare you enough? Yeah. Um, and I got up just past the last part of that, like, first six feet or eight feet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was getting up to get my footing to stand up. And I look behind me and you're, like, halfway up already. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, you good? And you're like, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> And, and then, uh, you know, then it was the part of like adjusting my feet and then stepping over the, the waterfall in the middle, um, which is the act of stepping over it isn't hard physically. Like it's not like you were saying, it's not a, yeah. a leap or anything like that. It's, it's a step. Um, the challenging part is like, there's not great places for footing and it just looks intimidating. Yeah. It's a mental game. Oh, the first yes. the first part is definitely physical. The second part is mental. Um and you know, I stepped across it and then you were just you were coming up right there and mm -hmm. then and then that's when you kinda of had a little bit of panic. But mm -hmm. um you did amazing. I, I, I was so incredibly impressed with you and I you just it was wonderful. You did it. <laughs> I I love this trail because in addition to all the like the beautiful nature and everything, it's that experience of like climbing that, you know, I think on total it's maybe twelve or fifteen feet high yeah. altogether. And I think the experience of doing that feels profound because you're It doesn't feel possible yeah. when you look at it. And mm -hmm. then you do it, and then it's like, holy shit. Yes. <laughs> and I just, every time I go up this trail, I, I find some some new kind of thing, like you know, like a life metaphor or whatever, and just about having determination and being patient and like with yourself mm -hmm. and with your surroundings and accepting change and all this stuff. It's just, it's, um, it's my favorite, it's my favorite place in Ithaca. Yeah. By far. So I'm glad that I got to share it with you. I'm really glad that we went. Yeah. And I am, like, it's getting cold, so I'm yeah. not ready to do it again. No, but next year. But next summer? Yeah, next year yeah. for sure. <laughs> when it's maybe not, hopefully not raining <laughs> every single day of the summer. Yeah, that would be great. I look forward to that. So should we go into our main topic? Yeah, let's yeah. do that. So we wanted to talk tonight, um, and we're going to start off with a content warning um, we're going to talk about grief and some of this will involve talk about talking about like family members dying, 
Maybe not in detail. <sighs> Who knows? I, I don't know. It's possible. Uh, if you are feeling like you need to peace out right now because you're not in a place where you can listen to this, totally fine. We understand. Yep. Um, you can also, you know, pause it and step away and come back. Whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and the reason why this is maybe salient is personal for Monique. I think also, I mean, it's personal for you as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, but more contemporarily personal for you. But is it? Because you just did a pretty big thing regarding loss as well. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fair. I think maybe another content warning is I don't really, I don't like like flowery words around like death. And mm. I've become more comfortable using terms that are maybe more brutalist to others. And like, that's just how I roll at this mm-hmm. point. I used to be, you know, a little scared of death. And I mean, not that to say that I'm not anymore, but mm-hmm. like, you know, um, I think I'm more comfortable now using just very direct terms. Yeah. Um, and also, we are assholes. And sometimes we make <laughs> terrible dark humor jokes uh, that are very off color. Yeah. Oh, bad. It's so yeah. bad sometimes. And I don't know, you know, we don't have a script for this. We don't. And <laughs> we're just winging it, kind of like life. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm not making any apologies. I'm just saying, you know, prepare your anus. <laughs> um, I, yeah, same. And, uh, you know, if, if this is something that's maybe sensitive, but you're feeling brave, like I would encourage you to like listen in and try it out yeah definitely um but yeah like we just wanted to give some warning so that we're not dropping bombs right folks yeah like we're not just like so we went on a waterfall and anyway dead people so (laughs) speaking of dead people (laughs) (laughs) right like we just want to give you a good like few minutes to say nah this shit is not for me (laughs) you know who's not climbing that waterfall my dad (laughs) oh my god (laughs) And there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, uh, pretty personal. Um, this Saturday will mark yet another of the rest of, I guess, existence for me of my sister's posthumous birthdays. Um, she passed away in 2018, very unexpectedly. Six months before her fucking birthday to the day. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's that's coming up. Um, and it is still really challenging all these years later to see a birthday arrive um, and me not like get to call her old or <laughs> tell her that like she's a grandma or something ridiculous even I mean, though i'm the oldest sister you, like you can it <laughs> just won't be as satisfying though. it really won't like yeah. there's no attack although i do think and this is so very tmi <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna apologize for how tmi this is my periods like my cycles almost always align with one of these shitty fucking milestones (laughs) like it's always it's either the day of her death 
or, her or it's her posthumous birthday or it's like something that she really really considered like a favorite thing in life like she did we didn't really celebrate thanksgiving as a thanksgiving but we all love food mm-hmm. and so that was the holiday for the food eaters right and like every fucking time mm-hmm. it's i wake up and i'm like dying bleeding and i'm like you the, you did this shit like i know from the grave that she is just like got you um and i yeah and so like she already is fucking with me so like i feel like what i'm gonna call her old she gave me my period probably at this point like i mean you know obviously i'm old and like my cycle just continues the way that it goes it's pretty regular um but like i feel like she did that (laughs) <laughs> um and so i can call her old as much as i want to and she's already like and what bitch yeah a- am i here have a period yeah fucking <laughs> how do you like existing <laughs> without cramps yeah <laughs> 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 <Still> sucker <laughs> um yeah so it fucking sucks um this was not maybe my first brush with death i lost a sort of co-parent back in like 1995 um and that was sad i remember um i remember counting the days after she passed Mm. of like how many days i'd cried um and like i got to 45 before Mm. i either stopped crying or lost count that's i think uh, you know in talking about grief and the grieving process and and i think that i mean maybe this is a good point to briefly cut away um i think that grief is it's not like a thing that you have or like it's not like like a it's not a noun it's a verb mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's you don't have grief you are doing grief yeah you're having a grieving process and and there's uh, my my therapist used to say about other things like practice is success and I, I think that grieving is that too like if you're grieving if you're feeling anything at all if you're like thinking about things or whatever like that's you're doing it successfully congratulations yeah <laughs> but some of that shit's weird yeah you know and I don't think that I like I didn't really experience I think maybe the full spectrum of grief mm-hmm. back in 95 when I was like younger yeah. what 12 13 something like that um fucking 11 i don't math right who knows um and like i um i experienced like the whole everything Mm -hmm. when my sister passed yeah i mean we actually like related to that um when we met up again mm -hmm. like so we met how many years was it eight years uh, we met Seven. in 2014. That Seven was, yeah, ago. the baby's yeah. eight, so. Right, right. Um, so we met initially in 2014, mm-hmm. and then you moved away, we lost touch, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that story some another time. Um, but we met up again in 2018 mm-hmm. in June 25th. Yes. Um. And you had just come back to Ithaca from out of, living out of state. And your sister had just passed like yep. a couple months previous. And my dad had just passed a couple months before that. Right. I think they the two of them were like less than a month apart. That's correct. Yeah. 
Um, and so we had some commiseration around that, uh, for sure. Yeah. And so the, <laughs> I, guess, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but so a few weeks ago, um, uh, would have been like end of August, I think, or. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like almost the end of August. Mm-hmm. Um, my, so my, my father and my grandparents were all cremated and they were, um, there's a burial plot in Northeast Pennsylvania, and it's like a family plot. I found out later that my grandfather had grown up in the house that is like within line of sight, like a hundred yards away from the burial plot, which is like a whole different level of weird. That is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all three of them were buried there together. Uh, however, they didn't die at the same time. So my my father died um, three years ago, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother died last year. My grandfather died in 1999. I did not realize that it was that long. It was that long. 22 years ago. Um, my grandmother kept the urn and I, I think maybe my grandmother wasn't expecting to live as long as she did. I think both of them were certainly not expecting my father to pass before my grandmother did. Right. God. (laughs) Um, I've got stuff to say about that. I don't know if I'm going to say it tonight or not. Um, I don't know if I want to put that out there, but suffice to say, the, um, the three of them were buried. I, I brought a guitar pick that used to be my dad's and I put that with his urn. Um, there was a priest and he did the whole eulogy thing. Um, then my extended family and I, we all like had lunch together and then I drove home. Um, it was a weird experience. I can imagine. Yeah. It, it's... When, when, my, when my father died, I, um, he had cancer. Like, he, he died from cancer. He big smoker. And his lungs were finally like, like hey, what if we were bigger? <laughs> what, if, what if there was more of us? <laughs> we have lots of cells. What if we had more of them? Um, and I found out on August 1st of 2017, and he finally died in the beginning of April. Yeah. Um, I was there holding his hand, like, when he finally, like, exhaled for the last time. Um, it was weird. I, I think... If you have any family that is going through chemo or something, um, please give strong consideration for like uh, medicinal cannabis or whatever. They make plenty of kinds that don't have that don't get you stoned. My my dad spent his last three or four months like stoned on oxy, and I got a lot of weird text messages and phone calls from him. Yeah. Um. But the first couple months, though, you know, I I think getting to really kind of, like, address that, the mortality of that head on, um, there was a lot of, like, I definitely felt myself going through the the steps of the the Mm -hmm. cooler rocks, like, the denial and the anger and... Yep. 
the sadness and everything else and um it took a while I, I remember after he died i i would just i would go to the movies by myself and i would just sit and watch a movie just to have anything else in my head except what i was thinking about you know just missing him and everything um and i would come home and then just like come through the door and then collapse on the floor and just bawl yeah. um the movie um uh, <laughs> thinking like Pacifico, but it's not Pacifico. It's the Pixar movie. I have no idea what you're talking with, about. With Guadalupe. Oh, not yes. Coco. Um, wow. Coco. Coco. What the yes. hell, man? That's close. <laughs> um, Coco had just come out a few months ago. My dad was an artist, and he really loved colors, and I loved all the colors and all the illustrations in the movie and i i did i did my own little art thing that's hanging on my mantle above yeah. my fireplace and that's just like that was for me that was how i like i, I kind of channeled some of the feelings that i was having into that um the year following in 2019 i um i drove out to his town a few hours away and I like I hiked his favorite hiking trail, mm -hmm. um, which okay, so it's called Mount Breakneck. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that you would say it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was covered with snow, and I climbed up a bit of it. Mm -hmm. It does not have. This is also a renegade trail. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's an it's an official like designated renegade trail. I think they call it like an uphill scrabble. It's called Mount Breakneck. Yeah. They are expecting. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a couple moments climbing that when I was like a little concerned for my safety, <laughs> especially when the sun, sun started to go down. Yeah. But and I actually at one point some of my blood is on the trail. I I like slipped and my hand ran against some mm -hmm. icy branch. Mm. Um, but I. I I climbed that I, I felt like I don't know I felt like a way to kind of connect with his memory because like he and I went up that a few times when I was younger and yeah. I know that that he used to go up it all the time when he was younger all the time um I have a bunch of pictures of him up there um and then afterwards I I think either that evening or the next day I I went to a diner that he liked and I had um I think I had, I had like a filet or something. And mm -hmm. then I had some carrot cake. That was his favorite cake. I had a, um, a glass of scotch and uh, and a picture of him on the table with me and just thought about him. Um, and then the year following would have been his 60th birthday. And I took my kids out there and we saw my aunt. We went to this little um, like Mexican cafe. Mm -hmm. And they happened to have a mariachi band that night. And um, I asked, they took requests, and I was like, could you play Recuerdame from, from Coco? And they knew it, and they sang it in Spanish. And, like, that was cool. Um, yeah. I don't know if he ever went to that restaurant, but that was the one, that was the place that I would always go to when I would visit him while he was, while he was sick. And so, like, part of my memories of him are, are going to that restaurant myself. Yeah. And so it was of connecting with that right um 
But yeah, it's. Um, I I feel, in hindsight, I. Like I still think about them, but. Right. It doesn't hurt as much as it did. Mm-hmm. Like it feels more like he just kind of sits with me, like his memory sits with me. Um, and at some point, I I don't know if I'll go out there in next March or not. Um, this this past year. In 2020, I did go because it was right before lockdown. Um, 2021, I don't think I went, did I? Right? No. Yeah, I stayed. I stayed here, and I think. Um, I actually joined you for a drink at our local right. Mexican place. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Um, yeah, we had some had some drinks, and I brought his picture. I think yep. didn't I? Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> so. I think I think grief is not. I don't think it's something that you're ever done. Uh, the, the the analogy that I read once that I really like is it's like a box that has a ball and a button, and the button every time you, the button gets pressed, like you feel terrible and inconsolable. Yeah. And initially, the ball is really big, and it can't help but hit that button, but over time, the ball gets like smaller and smaller and. It never like stops hitting the button forever, but it just doesn't hit the button as much. Yeah. And that's, I that's really what it's felt like for me so far. <sighs> I. I feel like my, in this analogy, like, my ball fluctuates in size. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, because like. There are days where, like, I get through them and I'm like, okay, cool, you know? Like, my sister will be on my mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have some of her ashes in a very small urn um, in my kitchen because that's... I mean, if you ask any Perez girl where the hell she wants to spend the rest of her life, it's in a kitchen eating, preferably not cooking. But Mm -hmm. she likes to do both. Mm -hmm. Um. And it just felt right, you know, to have her there on the windowsill near one of my favorite plants that just grows and grows and grows and in a special like lantern so that, you know, I don't know, like I had an irrational thought. So the cat doesn't knock it down. Yeah, that too. But I mean, the lantern happened before the cat did. Mm. And I, I think, I think like remembering the moment when I pulled out the lantern, it was like, it was cold and I, like, all of a sudden got worried that, like, maybe the urn would get cold, maybe her ashes would get cold, mm. or something, like, totally ridiculously irrational. <laughs> and so I put her into, like, the little lantern thing, which, you know, it's decoratively cute. It's aesthetically mm. pleasing. Um, and I thought, okay, this is good. You know, this, this feels nice. Um, like, it gave her a space, you know, that wasn't so vulnerable feeling. A little bit um which you know the fuck um grief grief is is weird no (laughs) grief is fucking weird and i like you know when i when i got the call that she'd passed it was like sometime in the afternoon my time and i was in washington state and i was like sitting down on the floor playing with the kids and like my son's father called and he does not call he does not call like unless there's a reason and so he's like 
how are you feeling? And I'm like a little worried because you're calling me. He's like, I need you to sit down. And I was like, well, guess what? <laughs> Already done. What's up? Um, and then like he, you know, kind of used like the ambiguous death words where he's like, you know, Allie never got up. She never woke up or Allie is gone or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where the fuck she go? Yeah. Like, I would never be surprised if like she just ran away from life. <laughs> Like, I mean, she did, really, technically. She ran away from life. But, like, I always expected her to, like, up and, like, in the middle of the night end up in fucking Louisiana or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, somewhere else. (laughs) Um, And so I'm like, okay, cool. Well, where are we going? Let's go. Let's jump in the car. Where are we at? Um, And and then it hit, you know? And he's Mm -hmm. like, no, Mo. And I was like, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. This is fucking terrible. Um... And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? What do I do now? And he's like, you got to call your mom. And I hadn't been, I had not talked to my mom in like six months. Yeah. Like totally no contact. Um, and I was like, I don't know at that point, like which felt worse. <laughs> yeah. Like coming to the realization that my sister was dead or that I would have to call my fucking mother. <laughs> Wait, did your mom not know then? No, I, she knew. But okay. She okay. knew that if she called me, I would ignore the call. Right. right and so right. she had to call in okay. the one person. So it was just you having to talk to your mom, not you yeah. having to talk to your mom and tell her yeah, that your right. Got it. Oh, she. So, you know, I, like, I got up off the floor. I, like, I like was screaming like i was literally like just crying screaming kind of losing it and i was like my sister is dead my sister is dead and like i like i could i said the word so many times that it just it did they didn't register they didn't feel right they just felt like foreign in my mouth was it like the semantic satiation thing where like you say a word so many times and you're kind of like wait what even is this yeah like i was kind of hoping that like it made the reality of the situation not reality Mm -hmm. like it made it less real because the word felt funny yeah um and like it yeah it wasn't it was not fun um and so you know i did call my mother and i'm like i'm sorry like that was the first thing that i said and i'm like i I didn't do it (laughs) (laughs) like i was all the way out here i don't even know what happened Mm -hmm. um and she's like you know, um, my mom is, is, this was my mom's favorite kid. Like, we're not, we're not going to fucking beat around the bush here. Like my mother has favorites and I was definitely not it. My youngest sister is most certainly not it. Um, and so, you know, my mother had just lost her favorite child, her closest confidant and her best friend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, now all of a sudden her daughter who hasn't spoken to her in six months is like, I'm sorry. Like (laughs) the fuck? Um, and so, you know, we're kind of like hashing out the details. What do I do now? Do I wait? What are you doing? How fast can I get to Mississippi? Should I book a flight yesterday? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, she's like, just sit tight right now. You know, we're already on our way to Mississippi because they were in, they were up here. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, they'd be there by like a a handful of hours or whatever. And they'd let me know. Um, and of course I didn't wait um, because that felt, I couldn't, yeah. like I couldn't, like I was like, there's no way, like I can't just sit here. So I booked a flight for a couple of days out um, and, you know, I, I got on the flight and 
it was like it was it was a lot like I think at some point somebody had created a GoFundMe for my niece and my nephews of which there's one niece three nephews um and I think I think I shared it to my Facebook page announcing that like my sister was gone yeah um and then you know I I got on a flight and then I you know the way that I process things is through photos like that's that's the thing I can control is I can make the image that I want to see appear behind this little screen Mm -hmm. through this lens and that's my way of making sense of the shit yeah and um I, you know, I had my cell phone. I took some pictures when I landed in Texas in like a layover and I posted it on Instagram and I'm like, you know, my sister is gone and like, I hate it and like, I'm angry and I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I got to Mississippi and like, I vaguely remember ever getting there. Like, I know that I made these stops. I know that I got on the plane, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm off the plane and I'm in Mississippi Mm -hmm. and it's sweltering. And I don't know if any of you have been to Mississippi. If you live there, my God, I am so fucking sorry. (laughs) If you have visited the place, I am so fucking sorry. I am of the three of my mother's daughters. Um, Hilariously, the most pretentious and well, I guess I'm not the most broke. But, like, <laughs> still unnecessarily pretentious. I am the bougie sister that does not like to do the things because it just, they have different fun than I do. I'm the black sheep of the family, both as a black woman and the only, and just in terms of my personality. Mm-hmm. And so I step off of this plane and it's nighttime and I'm like, oh my god (laughs) where in the fuck (laughs) and like i i remember like in my brain i'm like she really she really she had to die here she had to live here this is where she had to like take her last you gotta be fucking kidding me like we couldn't have like taken her back to new york or something like more sensible this is ridiculous why are we doing this here um and like i'm rolling my little cart along trying to get to the baggage claim and like at some point i stop because i'm like no 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 no. we're not doing this shit we're gonna this is not happening like i am not in mississippi if you i mean the rules are that if you don't pick up yeah, your yeah, bag yeah. for baggage claim your sister's not dead right that's 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 the, the rule yeah um and so i was like you know what fuck this shit i'm like i'm just gonna turn around and i'm gonna say i don't this has been a mistake i need to go back to washington like somebody <laughs> just next flight i don't i will stay right here you let me know when it is and but like i really i really debated this decision mm-hmm. i was like all i have to do is turn around and go back home mm-hmm. like and i don't have to be here and i don't have to do this and i don't have to see this and i don't have to be a part of it and then it never happened mm-hmm. and like one of like the security guards like like looked at me cuz you know i'm dead ass stopped in the in the middle of a walkway like i'm not moving i'm not saying anything i'm zoned out and she's like are you okay and like i'm like no my sister's dead and then i just walk (laughs) 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 because you know why not shock the masses right (laughs) 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 throw that grenade at the room slam the door 
<laughs> yeah good fucking luck with that um you know and like i get to the baggage claim and my mother is there and it's all a mess i'm mm-hmm. crying and i'm like i don't want to be here i don't want to be here i don't want to be here she's like yeah me either and i'm like well yeah no shit but i mean like i know you don't want to be here because your child is dead but i mean like i don't want to be in I mean, mississippi your, your mom lived there for a while right? yeah she did yeah, for so a few she years just, she would be more used to it yeah um and i was just like no uh, this sucks. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Um, it, at that point, you know, it was already nighttime, so it was too late to go and uh, view my sister's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of just, like the three of us, my mother and my baby sister and I, just kind of existed in each other's space and company for a little while. Yeah. And that was also weird. Um, I don't typically feel safe around like my mom. Um, and so grieving around her without choice was like a hard thing to, to deal with. Um, and then, you know, I was irrational of course. And like, I thought, you know, all I knew was that my sister went to sleep and didn't wake up. And so I was afraid to fall asleep because I was like, well, what if like contagious, you know? Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) If you've been around, if you've been around another living person, Mm -hmm, you're mm going to die someday. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like it's terminal illness. It's so ridiculous. Um, you know, there needs to be a vaccine or something. Um, and so like I was having trouble sleeping and I am at this point deathly afraid of death. Like the idea of its unknowability and its suddenness and its lack of regard for who it takes, mm-hmm. like, was settling in. It took a 28-year-old mother of four. For what? <laughs> you know? Like, and it, it was, like, every bit of the fear of that I had of death was in this particular situation. And then, you know... Knowing that, like, knowing that I would have to go and look at my sister's corpse, like, her dead body. I was going to have to go. Yeah, that's weird. And do that. How was I supposed to do that? Like, how was I really supposed to look that in the eye, essentially, and, like, make it through okay? Um, so, yeah, it was um, a lot. It was a fucking lot. And I... It became harder mm-hmm. because it was like it was the final viewing. So like my mom and sister had been there a day before I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they'd already allowed my nephews and niece to have their time with her. And then her father, whom I absolutely loathe, if anybody from his family is listening please let him know that i fucking still to this day cannot stand him um and like a couple of her sisters came down from her dad's side because we're i guess technically half siblings mm-hmm. um and you know i listen throughout all the things i am an aries and a bitch maybe holds a grudge okay and i felt uber possessive like all of a sudden i was like just really pissed off that these people were here Mm -hmm. i was like you know her sister one of her sisters actually had twins 
born on the same day as my sister. I was going to say, usually twins are born on the same day. Mm, no, yeah. that's, you know, I, I do know that much. Yeah. Um, but, like, they shared a birthday with her, and she could not remember Alexandria's birthday. And I was like, what the fuck are you even doing here? Like, I was pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, again, like, just weird, irrational, like... Like, I owned or stake any claim in, like, having my sister to myself at all. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, And, you know, we we were able, my my mother, my sister, and I were able to sit with my sister for a while. Um, And, you know, the attendance at the funeral home allowed us to dress her. Um, That's nice. My mother insisted on it. Like, my mom was like, I'm going to do this. I need to do this. And she's like, you can be brave and you can help or you can sit this out. Like, you know, my mom has always made me feel like the weak link. (laughs) I So weird, maybe a macabre question. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're when your mom was dressing her, does do one of the people there like assist with moving the body around so yeah they helped us um like they helped us lift her okay um to get the dress that we'd picked out i'm, just, I'm imagining this and it's yeah. like really fucking surreal in my head right mm-hmm. now like like it's like the kind of thing that out of context would probably be really funny mm-hmm. like someone pretending to be dead and getting dressed mm-hmm. like could be a great comedic effect but in this case though like she's actually dead and yeah. you're actually related to her yeah i'm like whoa <laughs> it was it was a big deal um it was like every single thing about death that was horrifying mm-hmm. and um you know i was i'm not you know like yes i'm a wimp but like i'm not a bitch so when my mom was like you can help or you don't have to like immediately like just like sort of and she didn't do this with my sister because my sister is like bold as fuck yeah she's 20 years old now and i would not fuck with her okay not a fucking chance in this life she'd whip my ass (laughs) and she would not even think twice about it um and but with me all the time with every single thing like just consistently as a pattern my whole life it's always been well you know i know that you're afraid of things and so like you know you can do this or you don't have to Mm -hmm. and i was like this is the last time that i will ever be able to participate in anything regarding my sister like how fucking dare you like, don't give me permission to sit this out because I'm scared. Like, just shut up and let me do it. Let me participate in this last thing that I get to do for my sister. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and so at, we, we dressed her. We put the dress on. Um, the attendants helped us with the really difficult lifting. Sure. Um, and then they left. They gave us time. Um, and like, we just kind of put like the final touches, like at some point we debated whether or not we were going to put shoes on her. And I was like, are you kidding? You have to put shoes shoes on Alexandria. Like, don't, don't be ridiculous. She would kill us. And so we did. And I remember buckling her shoes and putting them like around her ankles. And I just like, just like seeing the change of color in her skin. Yeah. And you know, feeling, like, the coldness and all of that was was really surreal. 
it was it was horrifying and it was traumatizing and i don't regret a second of helping yeah um and it felt it felt good to have that process with my sister and my mother and you know as part of my way i asked if i could take pictures and my mother said of course and so i did and i took pictures of us you know mm-hmm. dressing my sister and of you know like her hands crossed across her chest and i got a couple of pictures of my dad in his last hospital bed yeah um i don't know that he know that i took them and i haven't shared them with anyone they, they were just for me but i'm glad that i took them though yeah like there's just something um something about like the weird humane intimacy of um, yeah of that kind of moment I, um, after, after she passed, um, and having like already looked literally all of my worst death fears because the way she died was one of my top five ways of like being scared of dying. Right. Um, like all of it like was just so big. Um, I started to follow a lot more death positive things like accounts, Twitter, Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm always really grateful when they kind of normalize the mm. process of death. Like, it's not, it's not, we- maybe it is weird, but it's not, like, bad mm. that you want to take fam- or pictures of, like, family that you've lost. Yeah. You know, like, it's not, it's not gross and it's not, like, violating, like... I have, like, pictures of my sister after her birth and, like, death being a part of this life, a process of this life. Like, why would I not also want to have pictures of her death? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are circumstances where you maybe don't want to take pictures, right? But sure. um, this felt okay, and it helped me kind of, like, deal I think a little bit. Um, My mom has prints of them that she keeps because, um, you know, like I I sent her the digital copies and she went and printed them out for her altar. Sure. Um, And uh, but, you know, I don't think anybody else has ever seen them. Just, you know, maybe she meet my sister and I and that's it. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not trying to put her pictures on social or something you know um but yeah i think that that was like maybe my first experience in like how weird grief is and can be is like i just felt absolutely compelled to take pictures of this the same way that i would take pictures of anything else (laughs) you know and i knowing the relationship that i had with my mother i wasn't sure if we were going to ever be in the same place again. And so why not have the four of us mm-hmm. one last time, right? In in some of these pictures, it just made sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would come to find out that I would be near my mother far sooner than I'd expected. <laughs> far, far closer to my mother. <laughs> and um, your sister. And my sister, dear God. Um, yeah. And so, you know... <laughs> I'm so glad I took the pictures, but like, ugh. Um, I I lost my grandparents in 
the mid 2000s mm-hmm. um my grandfather died two months before my son was born and my my son's middle name is named after him mm-hmm. um so my grandfather never got to meet my son uh but he was like a big part of my life and he with my own biological father being largely absent from a lot of my life my grandfather was that person for me in a lot of ways and so losing him when I did um, was really hard and I can still to this day hear his voice in my head (laughs) and the the lingering after they're gone is it's hard to deal with it's hard it's hard to accept that your memory your the proxy existence of the world in your mind is out of sync with what's actually out there yeah it's hard to accept and then my my grandmother um she passed on thanksgiving of that year uh she did get to meet my son after he was born um he doesn't remember because he was a newborn um but i have videos and pictures and stuff and yeah we got to visit her a few times in the hospice care um and she was an incredible woman too um and same thing that was like i can still hear her voice in my head too and the i think the thing that really made it concrete for me was when i was changing phones and I was migrating my contacts over Mm -hmm. and I realized like, I don't need this number anymore. Mm. This number doesn't go to anyone that I know. Um, we had Christmas one last time at their house after my grandmother had passed and it was, it was amazing. (laughs) My, my uncles, they, they bought probably $400 of liquor. Oh my God. We had, (laughs) easily 30 or 40 people in the house like family friends just everybody who knew my grandparents they knew a lot of people um and it was like a raucous celebration that felt fitting both in how my grandparents lived and also just in their memory um and like it was it was a, a really appropriate and cathartic send off, I think. Yeah. Um, my aunt, who is my grandmother's cousin, so she's not actually my aunt, but I don't do the genealogy. Yeah, math. I can't. Yeah. Everybody's a cousin or an aunt here. Right. So <laughs> her husband, um, who is this incredible like. He was a, like an artist, but also, like a real kind of like classic hipster like or hepcat or whatever i don't know i have know. no idea what you're talking i don't know about. what they're my uh <laughs> yeah he he made like funky art and he and his wife always had like neat arty things and mm-hmm. I, that, I think one of my favorite memories of him was one time we were visiting and i had some cds i think i had like some nirvana and some temple of the dog or something and <laughs> and he was just like hey man you got any music and like I, he let me put a cd on and like he listened to it with me and like i have a letter that he typed up on a typewriter and sent to oh me. my gosh that's great yeah <laughs> um, he was just he was a really I, I always felt 
in all the ways in my family that I felt like a black sheep or kind of an outsider mm-hmm. or that people didn't get me, mm-hmm. I always felt like he got me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and his wife was like, she was just great. She was, uh, her name was Lou. And um, when when she passed uh, just a couple of years ago, um, I think she was like 92 or something. She was, she lived a very long time. Um, they had a celebration of her life at her house. My uncle put it together, uh, her son. Um, and there, I don't think there was like any kind of church service. It was just this thing. Like, and there was a, a poem by Tennyson. Um, and I think it was like the evening star poem by Tennyson. Um, and there was a, a table with a bar and it's the sign that said, um, Lou's last wish is for you to have a gin and tonic. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> um, the one thing about when my grandfather passed was he had an open casket ceremony. Oh. Um, and I mean, I don't want to take forever talking about him, but like he had a really incredible life. And I guess at one point when he was, he served in World War II and he like, when the, when the war was over, he had to go around and like arrest some of the like Nazi officers that had Jeez. gone home. Huh. Yeah. So <laughs> he got, he did some like pretty wild shit. Um, but that was the first time that I ever touched a dead body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was saying goodbye to him and I'm in my mid twenties and I like, I, I said some words and I said goodbye and then I put my hand on his hand mm-hmm. and it was really unsettling because it was like, I mean, he had been embalmed and so his body was like a little bit bloated mm-hmm. and it was like cold meat is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like, it kind of took me aback for a moment. It's really jarring. Yeah. Um, contrasting that to the second time I ever touched dead body, which was right after my father had passed. And I like, I said goodbye to him and I kissed him on his forehead. Um, and th- it was weird because his body was still warm. Mm-hmm. It felt like he was alive, but he wasn't breathing anymore. Right. And I, I guess, I don't know if his organs had shut down or not, but it was like he was simultaneously in the room and not in the room anymore, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been kind of a a weird experience that's been parallel with other experiences I've had. Yeah. Um, so a, a couple months before that happened, though, um, my son and I were, we went on a road trip together up to Quebec and we were listening to Radiolab. And there was an episode about loops and it's a fantastic episode, especially if you like the show, it's really great. But one of the things they were talking about was this composer named William Basinski. And he did this series. um, What was it called? It wasn't decay. It was something like that. Um, But basically he, he had all these like old magnetic tape reels, like the old reel to reel recordings. Mm -hmm. And, they were old and when magnetic tape gets old some of the the uh, ferrous film it starts falling off and that's what holds the magnetic sound or the magnetic material that is recreated into sound when you play it back 
and so what he did was he he shortened some of these tapes down to like a brief five to ten second loop right and he just he made a single loop of tape and he just ran them through the machine endlessly Mm -hmm. Uh, literally some of them are half an hour or longer and the tape is decaying as it's being played yeah and so in the beginning of the tape you hear the loop as it's supposed to sound and as the tape continues parts of it start to fall off and become silent and you hear the other parts that are still there and by the end of the tape by, by the end of the recording there's basically nothing. I, I don't remember if it goes fully silent or not, but it it goes away right. and it becomes not there anymore. Yeah. And I remember thinking about that while I was sitting in the hospital room with my dad about how, you know, when I arrived there that day, he was dying. His He was out of it and... They were about to dope him up with more morphine than they thought they would have to use because mm-hmm. his had a tolerance to it from the oxy. And um, he was a bit loopy. He was on a, a they had him on a, a CPAP because so that he could breathe. So he couldn't talk much. And as the day went on, like he got quieter and settled down more. And eventually he was just you know, he finally fell asleep, but he was still technically alive. And all I could think about was just, you know, the that loop of sound. Mm-hmm. And just like you can, you're experiencing it dying. Like if sound could die, this is what the end of that sound's life would sound like. Right. Um, and then finally, like he was just gone. Um, and it's weird to think about. Like every time we exhale, that's what it's going to feel like when we don't inhale again. Mm-hmm. And inhaling is like the affirmation of life and exhaling is like the affirmation of dying or death. And like we do this every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you played... I was about to say sorry for the bummer, but we're talking a whole episode about Right? Things, so. We're like, it's already death. Um, you played one of those for mm-hmm. me. And it's like when we were first dating. When we were first dating, and we fell asleep to it. And then we were abruptly woken by the sound of the next thing playing, which I'm pretty sure was Wu Tang Clan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And you jolted out of bed and you were like, oh my God, I'm sorry. And like. And yeah, that was that was funny. And um, we did that Wu Tang shit. <laughs> get it again, again. <laughs> but it was like you know, listening to that tape or the like the the loop of it was like wild. It was. Yeah. It, it's probably one of. I mean, you've played so many things for me, and I think it's probably one of my favorite things because it is just so weird yeah. to hear the sound end the way that it ends yeah um if if you uh listener um if you've ever dealt with a family member um who had like you know progressive dementia or 
um, I don't know. Is that the right word? I don't know. I don't know if that's the correct word. No, no. Apologies if it's not. Uh, Just where like their cognitive abilities like slowly fail over Mm. time. Um, I think that that those sound experiences I think would definitely resonate with what I imagine you may have felt with your family member. No, a couple of years ago, um, my my mother-in-law passed. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a very aggressive brain cancer. And her wife called, and she had let me know that, like, you know, a year or so beforehand that she was diagnosed with brain cancer. It's a tumor. It's a big one. It's awful. It's the worst kind. And it felt like if I've ever, like, if I've ever had, like, a person who felt more like what I expected a mother to feel like, (laughs) she's it. And, like, my ex-husband and I still joke to this day that, like, my mother, my biological mother should have been his mother. And his biological mother should have been mine. Which is this woman that you're talking about. That's right. Right. Um, And, um... I like I couldn't deal with it Mm. because her wife would say things like you know well we're hopeful and I'm like did you literally just say that like it's the worst kind of brain cancer ever like literally no one survives but we're hoping she's the miracle give me a (laughs) fucking break and I couldn't I couldn't have the conversations that I wanted to have because at this point you know I'd already lost my sister and I was not in the mood to talk flowery, hopeful, miracle things. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that I dealt with it at all. Um, up until the point where her wife called about a year later and said... This is it. This is it. And... She was able to listen only at that point. Yeah. And so I called. I, I called and her wife put me on speaker and I thanked her for every single way that she has affirmed my existence as a person and as the black sheep of the family and as mother <laughs> to her grandchildren. Um, and everything, like every way that I demand celebration of myself and my children mm. is because of her. Yeah. Because she probably was the only person in life in my family that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing that didn't just tolerate us, mm-hmm. but like really was excited to see us, really was excited to spend time with us, really went out of her way to make sure that she, you know, visited or engaged and really loved my kids. Yeah. Um, my mom does not like my kids. Like my biological mother, she could take them or leave them. In fact, I think she's actually said those words. Um, and, you know, some of that is because I went out of my way to raise them differently than she raised us. And she took mm-hmm. insult to that, which I don't care. Yeah, yeah you should probably do that. Um, and um, And I think that was like, it was hard, you know, um... It was hard calling her and I don't know like which experience was worse. Like, am I grateful that I knew she was dying? 
And I was able to call and say thank you, even though it was too late. Like, it's not going to stop her from dying. It's not going to change her death or her life until she dies. Or would I have rather been blindsided the way that I was with Mm. my sister? Yeah. Because, like, I did not have a choice. Like, I made the choice, the conscious decision not to deal with the progress, the process of my mother-in-law passing. Um, To preserve my own mental health and not to piss off her wife and not to make my mother upset. Like, my, you know... I don't know if she felt as hopeful as her wife did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that wasn't something I was trying to get in the middle of. And my mother-in-law had a a really beautiful death. Um, she got to pass in, like, her home. Yeah. Um, that I, there. yeah, that I, I found that out later. Um, like, I didn't know about any of the process of her, her final wishes or final days. Mm-hmm. But she died at home. And she was surrounded by people who cared for her in sickness and who really loved her. And they kept her body at home for like a couple days. And they just, you know, they went through like this ritualistic just mourning and spending time and just normalizing the passing. And then they buried her on some fucking hill in North Carolina by trees under the sun (laughs) near flowers like totally totally my mother-in-law I think that like at first I was upset that like she wasn't cremated and like she's constantly always going to be in North Carolina and like I'm never going to go to North Carolina to visit her grave or anything Um, but like you know that's selfish you know of course um like, I don't, I also don't want to collect bits of people in my fucking apartment, you know? Um, but, like, I was really glad to hear that she had the death that she did. Um, it's really, it sounds like if you had to choose a way to go, that seems yeah. like a good one. I mean, they... Like, there are many worse ways to go Yeah, that. right? <laughs> um, you know, she got to have, like, she was diabetic. And so, you know, there was constant haranguing her about, like, her sweets intake and all this other stuff. And they were like, listen, you dying. You want some ice cream? Go ahead, you know? <laughs> so she really just, like, got to spend, like, her last, her last hours in as much comfort as I think we can all hope to have. Mm. And I think that was really helpful to know that, one, that kind of death is possible. And, um, you know, that it's not weird to ask for it, I think. And I think that those two situations, like seeing my sister pass away suddenly and us having absolutely no fucking clue what she wanted. Um, And then to see, you know, my mother-in-law pass and have this really remarkable and kind of like made me think about like my own mortality and like what i want Mm -hmm. when i die um and i know that you know i know that i want to be cremated yeah um because fucking i like my whole life is guarded or guided by fire so why not (laughs) um and also that way someone is constantly burdened with me like somebody is going to take my ass somewhere. Okay. I took my sister across the country in my fucking purse. (laughs) 
And thank goodness I did because my mom ended up in the hospital when we drove from Washington right. to New York when they came to pick me up. Um, and like, I think just the whole trauma of existing and realizing that like her daughter was gone and she's like, I don't have her. And I'm like, wait, I have her in my purse. And it was the fucking weirdest thing that I think I've ever said, but like nobody even thought about it. And I gave my mom like the little urn and she held on to it and she cried and it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, maybe one of my kids will carry me in their purse. Who knows? <laughs> It'll be a fun time for all of us. Um, and like, you know, I don't think, like, first of all, I don't want anything religious. Like, I never, I don't even want religion muttered anywhere near mm -hmm. my dead body. Literally. That's, that's something that I always worry about is, like, when you're dead, like, you can leave your, like, you can leave your dying wishes mm -hmm. about what you want. And then everyone else is still alive gets to decide whether or not they want to listen to them. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's tough. I, I don't want a religious thing either. I, I, mm -mm. I would prefer, I think just like you, a very like, um, grounded, stoic, maybe not stoic, but like based in reality, like discussion. Oh, hold the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Because. I don't want religion, okay? But y'all better while yeah. the fuck out. <laughs> I want, like, you can do, like, the viewing, whatever. That's fine as long as it's, like, okay, right? Like, I didn't die some horrific death. <laughs> like, then, yes, do open casket or whatever the hell you got to do. Like, borrow one for a little while. That casket better be covered, dipped the fuck in glitter. I'm certain that the Wolverine that killed you or whatever, mm -hmm. like, I'm sure they'll get rid mm -hmm. of it first. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Okay, I don't want it still attached to right. my face is all I'm asking. And it's going to be, like, loud. Like, there better be fucking brightness. If anybody shows up in any color other than, like, bright-ass pink, neon orange, like, they get they get turned away. They have to go home and they have to change. Okay? <laughs> neon colors will be provided at the door. <laughs> right? Like, give them a sign or something, yeah. like a funky hat. Like, visors, right? Like, those, like, club visors. Right. That if they come fucking wearing black, they get one of those dumb-ass, fucking ugly-ass fucking visors. And that's what they have to wear the entire time. Like, they are not allowed to take it off, period. Okay? I don't care if they're in the bathroom and they think they have privacy. No. Okay? You'd, like, wheel my ass out to back that ass up. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I better see y'all throw some ass. Like, from the heavens or hell, whatever. I'm probably going to hell. Like, I want to see ass be thrown. And if it's not thrown, like, you have to leave. Okay? Like, I, I don't want, like, the serious, somber nothing. And now for yeah. you, sir, mm -hmm. if you don't show up to your own funeral late. late yeah. <laughs> I, It'll be wrong. <laughs> we that, have to do it over. That will be in my like my last will and testament. Mm -hmm. Is that my if there is a viewing, I must be attending it ten minutes. Oh late. yeah, like we're gonna put on like all the things like two p.m. sharp. Yeah. Like absolutely, at, it starts at two p.m. You have to be there at two p.m. You need to be seated at two p.m. Come early if you're like on time. You're late, and then we will wheel you out fifteen minutes late. Yes. <laughs> that is that is what i would like actually yeah. yep i know <laughs> i would like to be late to my own funeral 
I feel like it's only fitting. I feel like the longer that we make everybody stir in their seats and start to get like really like antsy, like the better. Yeah. And so then it'll just be like, you know, like shitty music will start and then there you are. And somebody probably will be me because it's going to probably be me. We'll have to get up there and be like, y'all know this motherfucker was going to be late to his own funeral, right? <laughs> like, don't even play like you were expecting anything different. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I totally would. <laughs> Wheel me out to bring the ruckus. <laughs> I smell different than back that ass up. We might as well. Oh. That was so funny. Oh, God. I think that people are probably going to have more fun at our funerals than, like, at our wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's, that's a thing to hope for. <laughs> um, I mean, I have serious wishes, of course. Uh, I, like, I thought all those were serious. I mean, <laughs> the, the glitter-dipped casket is, yes. Y'all better not fucking put me in anything basic. I swear on my life I will come back and haunt every single one of you people who had anything to do with my end. If it is not loud, if it is not covered in glitter, if it is not sparkly, like y'all can just sit there and like Swarovski crystal that bitch. And that will be right. Okay, y'all can use the big stones. I'm not asking you to, like, hand glue a bunch of tiny stones together. But, like, also, like, just burn, like, if you're going to go through that trouble, like, burn the casket with me. I don't know if they do that or whatever, but, like, that was, that's a thing. Um, yeah. Loud. Like, it's got to be loud. I'm fucking loud. In all seriousness, <laughs> I, I think that the way my grandparents and my aunt went is mm-hmm. something along those lines for me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want I, I don't think that grief is only being sad no I, I think that there's I, I think there's different dimensions to it mm-hmm. and if you're overly fixated on the sad part then you're you're not There needs to be, like, emotion. Yeah. Or, like, um, I hear him right now. <laughs> Gross. There it is. Um, like I said earlier, like, I, I don't think grief <clears throat> is, a, is a state. I think it's a process. And, yeah. Um, if you're only stuck on feeling sad, then you're missing out on the experience, I think. It's a shitty experience, but it is. It's a lot of like. It's not all always bad. Like I'm not trying to tell people if you're feeling sad that you're doing grief wrong. That's no, not, no, no, that's no, not no, what no. I'm trying to say. And I, I mean, I didn't get that, but yeah. you know, people reach, and so I'm glad that sure. you clarified. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of moments that have been like weird and are so weird that now I can laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Like breaking down in Target because I remembered seeing the salt and pepper shaker set that my sister had kept in her storage. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it was unopened and I just saw the exact same thing at Target and lost it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how many times I've heard Kokomo since her death and I've had to straight up walk the fuck out of a room. Yeah. Um, And like who cries over Kokomo? (laughs) Me. Gesturing at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, one of the, I think... 
I think it was maybe for her first posthumous birthday, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I had remembered, like, the story of Cirrus Gog. Um, and how, like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And right. how, like, <coughs> when when we were... Wait, wait, spell it. Cirrus Gog. Cirrus Gog. Okay, so it is C-I-R-E-S-G-O-G. Um, and, uh, so when we were younger, we were going to school, we had to keep these journals, these daily journals, cause they wanted us to practice writing and sentence structure and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And so we, as teenagers, my sister and I stumbled upon <laughs> one of these notebooks, these basic composition notebooks that she had kept in like the first or second grade or something like that. And one of the, one of the sentences was like, my sister reads me Cirrus Gog. Mm-hmm. And, like, we sat there for a while trying to figure out what the absolute fuck a Cirrus Gog was. And what did you figure out it was? We, I mean, like, every single suggestion that we made was more outlandish Mm -hmm. than the one previous. And, like, ultimately, we figured it out that it was Curious George. (laughs) Like, the whole time, we're like, what the fuck were we, what were we reading? What the Mm -hmm. hell were we reading? Um, And it was Curious George. And, you know, like, I think I remember, like, being a teenager and just cracking the fuck up mm-hmm. every single time we guessed something that it definitely couldn't be. <laughs> um, and then finally stumbling on the answer of Curious George, like, was like, oh, my God, right. And, like, even that was hilarious because yeah. we were like, oh, like, that actually makes sense. <laughs> and what do you have hanging on your wall? And so... Last year. Last year, I think, I think I, maybe it wasn't last year. It I think it was. Ago? I think it was like two or three years ago. I really think it might have been her first. It would have been two years ago then. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think no, that's right. It was 2019, so it was her second posthumous birthday. Um, because I remember thinking that I could go to work that day. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I couldn't, and I didn't last the whole day, Mm -hmm. and uh, I came home, and on the table was this printout of Curious George, but the words in the Curious George font were Serious Gog. (laughs) (laughs) It was the cover from one of the Curious George, like one of the early (laughs) Curious George books. And like, I have it hanging in my bedroom, um, because it is like such a funny piece of history and like i just you know it's especially more endearing now mm-hmm. um that i can like think about the situation and laugh and the tenderness of the gift of maybe something that you know like you're like a fucking computer nerd like maybe it took you 10 seconds to like figure it out and like it meant so much mm-hmm. and it still does like it's framed on my wall and like i have art from friends that are still not framed <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> how long it took it wasn't 10 seconds no it wasn't I'm like sure all day not. Either. <laughs> um but like it's it's stuff like that it's like um like i don't know if you collected weird things from your family like all after right. they passed okay so on the mantle upstairs uh-huh Let's see. There is a, a small 
uh, cast iron replica cannon mm-hmm. that I got from West Point, like West Point Academy. Right. Uh, when my grandparents and my father and I visited there one time, and I have that in memory of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. I have uh, two commemorative wooden bowling pins. They are yes. like three or four inches tall, <clears throat> and they are from my grandparents um, who used to go bowling a lot. Um, and there's also a... Minnie Mouse Christmas ornament. That was my grandmother's. It always used to sit on the windowsill in the living room. Uh, I forget which direction it was, but it was the one on the back of the living room. Mm. Um, I have... Oh, what else? I have a, a, a trophy that my father won for baseball yes. when he was like probably single digits in age. <laughs> I didn't even know this thing existed. I don't know why he still had it, but it was in his belongings, and so I took it. I have almost all of his paintings that he did. Yeah, um, yes. And it many took you a while to get around. those. Oh, God, forever. Yeah. Um, uh, I am a huge fan. I have my dad's guitar. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of his eight guitars. <laughs> Um, How's he going to play eight guitars at once? He had eight hands. Did I tell you about that? God, I learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I don't know why I only have two. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks for you, honestly. Shit. Uh, Ironically, that eight hands will get him in. (laughs) Because he could smoke eight cigarettes at a time. Oh my God. (laughs) I hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a huge fan of like tiny little token or trinkets that are like just banalities mm-hmm. and but they have significance of the person of, of someone that it reminds you of um there's several other things upstairs i'm just not remembering because we're not upstairs right now yeah um i think i have a box somewhere with other things so just probably dig that out but it's it's nice to have something to remember somebody by it's even just like a little thing yeah it's just like that little tiny connection mm-hmm. with that person um we went through my sister's belongings when we were up there or down there in mississippi um and it felt really weird to be like rifling through her shit mm-hmm. um to divvy up who got to take what and there was like <laughs> you know there was no fighting or whatever nobody was like well you know my sister my sister died with like less than a thousand dollars in her checking account. Yeah. And like, so my sister didn't have a whole lot of stuff. She had a lot of clothes, a lot of shoes that I could never wear because I do not fucking know how to walk in heels. <laughs> um, like the way that I am with sneakers, she is with high heeled shoes and like platforms and sandals right. and stuff. And yeah, uh, that's, that's definitely not me. Um, and uh, like we went through her clothes and stuff and, we it was um first it's always a really weird thing to have exactly the same size clothes and shoes as (laughs) like my mother and all three of us are exactly the same height we're all five feet tall yeah and we all wear a size five shoe and my sister would, you know, women's sizes especially fluctuate. And so she'd have, like, a few size sixes or something like that. And, like, 
my sisters and I also wore the same size clothes. Mm-hmm. And so I kept like some of her pajamas um, and I would wear them sometimes to be close to her or to just like to just have like that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have, I think, actually a pair of her pajama pants are upstairs in uh, one of your drawers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like just other random things like i've got a few pieces of jewelry of hers that i would probably never in this life wear mm-hmm. um and i kind of have a couple of pieces like on top of the lantern where i have her urn um so that she just has her stuff like mm-hmm. you know i didn't like take it out of malice <laughs> or whatever you know um and a thing that i that i took with me from Mississippi but do not have in my possession was this like gigantic wooden like jewelry box mm-hmm. um and I put it into my carry-on luggage because I did not want to put it into my check baggage because I was terrified that it would get damaged mm-hmm. and I remember getting back on the plane to get back home uh from Mississippi and they were like, yeah, there's not enough space for, like, the luggage, so, like, we're going to check it. And I was like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Like, I immediately started crying. And I was like, my sister just died. Her jewelry box is in here. I, I like, can we find anywhere else to put this? And the flight attendant um, said, I'll keep it with our stuff and put it right in wow. in front of me, like, with their flight attendant stuff in their little special luggage thing. Yeah. And, like... I, you know, that set me off even more. Like, <laughs> I, I, I really, I think at that point just lost it so much harder because I was like, I am just, you know, I didn't put it in my check baggage because I was afraid it was going to get damaged. Please, for the love of God, just please don't put it under the yeah. plane. Just don't do that. Um, and they did. They took care of it. And then, you know, she gave it right back to me, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the flight. And I, you know, I cried at her again. Poor thing. Um... I'm sure they're used to it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and, um, but I don't have that anymore. I left it with my mom and I'm pretty sure that either it's, I don't know, gone or maybe it's still at her place or maybe she took it with her when she left. Um, and I think that pisses me off a little bit. Um, yeah. and, but like, I think the weirdest thing that I have that belonged to my sister is a tube of chapstick. Huh. Um, like, I think we all grabbed one. Like, we all found a tube of chapstick, and we just took it. <laughs> we were like, well, obviously, there's one for each of us, and so we should have these. Yeah, clearly. And, you know. That's why she had three. Right. Yeah. I, like, I'm not going to use the, ta- like, I don't even use chapstick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to use her chapstick. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, but, like, I have it still in probably, like, my porqueria box my little Mm -hmm. danish cookie tin um and i think about that from time to time and now i can laugh about it Mm -hmm. um whereas maybe a few years ago i could not like a few years ago this felt like the like a physical tangible thing that Mm -hmm. like you know my sister touched and used my um so my grandfather was a he's a band director like a swing band mm-hmm. orchestra band um and he did some compositions himself and after he passed my uncle found all of his old compositions and i think i have either the originals or copies 
and I, I transcribed one of them that it was it called it, it was an intermezzo and he had written it for my grandmother and I transcribed it into like a music arranging program and then I got to play it mm-hmm. and so I got to hear a song yeah. that my grandfather wrote oh that's really cool and it was pretty neat like <laughs> yeah there is there is a cassette tape out there that he had given to me when I think I was eight or nine and it has a bunch of like um swing like like Benny Goodman and um some various like Tchaikovsky and other classical stuff and in between all the songs on the cassette tape um he like narrates yes and so his voice is on a cassette tape somewhere and I have the box for that cassette but it was the cassette was misplaced my mom thinks she knows where it is she thinks it might be in her classroom at school um so i keep reminding her to look for it (laughs) but i i hope that one day i can find that and hear my grandpa's voice again yeah that's really cool like i can hear it in my mind Mm -hmm. but i would like to also hear it with my ears Mm Um, it's been like yeah we're running yeah like hour and 40 minutes um I don't think I have anything else to say about this I think that I think that when I was first going through this process of grieving, like this action of grieving, I didn't know if I was doing it right because some days I felt angry, some days I felt everything, some days I felt nothing, hmm. some days I yelled at the wall, literally yelled at the wall. <laughs> um, and I imagine that most of the people who are listening to our podcast have already experienced grief of some semblance at this point in their lives. And so maybe you are not at all unfamiliar with this feeling. Or maybe this is a new experience for you, or it will be. And like, I think if I were to impart any advice that I'm also not taking, because <laughs> obviously that is the best way to give advice, yeah. um, is to give space to your grief and to feel it when you feel it because otherwise you're going to end up like my dumbass where it's like the week of an anniversary milestone some shitty death date and you can't function i think maybe a worse thing would be um going two years and not allowing any of your family to visit word (laughs) That also would not be great. This is for you. What is this? It's an ampersand. It's an ampersand. Mm-hmm. It's just for you. Thank you. I shall cherish it. I'm going to put it in my pocket forever. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not going to well, stay in my pocket forever. If you ever need to combine two things, you can use that. Ah, you son of a toot. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, like that is a thing that I'm still learning is to give space and hold space for my grief. 
and that it's okay that sometimes it's still really weird and it hits at weird times and Mm. like I fucking sometimes I don't even think about it music is very powerful for me and so there will be a song that you know almost like Kokomo Mm -hmm. and like I'll lose it or like Kehlani just came out with a new song called Mm -hmm. Alter Mm -hmm. and I was not expecting it to be exactly (laughs) what it should have been about oops and shoot i almost lost it we were at we were at art we were doing art at like a cool new bar (laughs) and i was like oh this was a terrible idea what the fuck was i thinking (laughs) um and like you know but like i still let myself have that moment of like my sister is gone and this sucks you know um we're gonna see another birthday of hers that she doesn't get to see she died before she turned 30 um and you know for right now at least i get to still come up to my birthdays and turn older (sighs) and that's also challenging i'm sorry or you're welcome i am sorry or you're welcome (laughs) yeah for real um and like i think that you know as aaron kind of mentioned like there's no really wrong way to do grief really i mean like it's all shitty like i isolate myself and i'm not saying that's the right way but like you know, it's it's part of my process. It's part of like what I need to do for like my own preservation. And I try not to stay isolated. Like I don't stay there for two years. <laughs> you know? I think that you, in the three years that I've seen you go through this, um, you've gotten like better at it each time. Yeah. I, I think you handle it a little bit better. It doesn't like your the ball in the box is smaller. Sometimes. You, it still hits it as we get no i remember the first year it was was, constant yeah and and now it seems to be like just you know every once in a while it comes up for you and that's fine i I think that something that maybe i take for granted because i'm just like a little bit crazy um i think that like as opposed to my a lot of it (laughs) oh i mean like i'm Mm -hmm. just i'm being charitable by saying i'm only a little bit Mm. crazy (laughs) I'm allowed to use that word, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, we have mental illness. We can talk. We're not being ableist. It's how we can describe (laughs) ourselves. Damn it. Um, I think that. I think that when when we're faced with something like death or like catastrophic loss or unexpected loss of any kind, whether the person is living or dying, um, can can leave you feeling like you want to make sense of it and be in control and have some kind of agency in it because it's scary otherwise it's it's terrifying yeah and i i think that sometimes it's good to kind of maybe peer into the abyss just a little bit to accept that you don't have control over it <laughs> yeah and that maybe it doesn't make sense and it's not fair and maybe everything doesn't happen for a reason sometimes it just, just happen. happen yeah yeah there's that whole the the myth of sisyphus um where jean paul sarch is talking about like you know the the, the paradox is like the universe is cold and uncaring and indifferent to everyone but we still search for meaning in it mm-hmm. and we still 
push that ball that boulder up the hill even though we know it's going to fall down over and over again and I, I think that it's it's okay like it's okay to search for meaning or search for significance or something but like also I think it's okay to just accept that there isn't sometimes yeah um and and there I think that the freedom in that is that if you if you stop trying to make sense of it and fit it into some kind of model that you that lets you feel like you're in control and you just accept that it has happened it gives you the freedom to consider your own feelings of how you're feeling in all this mm-hmm. and um, personally I, I found that to be a good place to process grief it feels like if, if you feel like you have the answers then you're not making efforts to process things like the, the questioning um, the the feeling of, of absence and recognizing that you're feeling that absence is I think how how you get through it yeah for me like getting to that point where like um, I just accept that death is cruel and sometimes it's just and sometimes it's random um and it's all pretty much unexpected like yes somebody may be dying and sure people will call you before you know 30 minutes before they pass and they're like it's time but like you know like it's still unexpected like you're not you you know it's happening but you don't know exactly when yeah you can't place it down to the second the minute the hour um it's a lot like standing on this vertical face of a fucking waterfall thinking that (laughs) you can't cross (laughs) you can't cross the threshold (laughs) because it's slippery and it's scary as fuck and like there's just no way you're just gonna fall into the pit and it's over um but then you do it anyway and you're like oh Hmm. this is less scary and that's kind of where i am now like with death is like I hate the the thought that like we're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um, like none of us. Wait, what? Yeah, sorry. I hate to break it to you. What the fuck? Um, you tell me now. Yeah. Well, you know, two hours into this fucking uh, podcast, somebody's got to tell you. God. Um. And like, just accepting that that is kind of freeing, and it makes it a little less scary. Or it lid for me. Yeah. It kind of, like, gave me the freedom to be like, okay, well, you have no idea. So maybe enjoy your fucking life and stop being a shit. Um, maybe do the things that make you happy regardless mm. of, like, you know, whether someone judges you for it or you're judging yourself for it or whatever the fuck. I think going back to the, the analogy that you're making, like, it's having courage around your own mortality and everything yeah can really it, it it's terrifying but it can go a long way and um it is inevitable yes for all of us like you're there there was a uh, an analogy in a time of children book it was um is it like being born is stepping onto a ship that is set to sail out into the sea and sink. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> I'm going to tell that to my kids. But, like, 
But the point of a ship is to sail. Right. And isn't the journey of sailing worth worth it even though you know that eventually like the boat's going to sink right um you know staying staying back on the harbor and never getting out on the boat is safe but that's not what boats are meant for right um that's what harbors are meant for it's it's weird it's trying to find meaning in something that is so simple but <laughs> right <laughs> we, just, we don't want to we don't want to accept it so like you know not to be all live laugh love about this but basically that oh god no mm-hmm. oh no no, no I sir refu- i refuse to accept that i will i it's happening <sighs> no we will want... live and we will laugh and we will love oh we will you can keep looking at me like that I'm going to get that tattooed upon my body. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, I should. Like, maybe, like, do it on my back and have, like, shiplap. And, like, make it, like, a like a wall on my back. And also, like, the fucking live, laugh, love, like, sticker decals. Would that not be amazing? Now I need to get it. Oh. <laughs> um, I think I'm drunk. <laughs> But definitely, you know, like, as as fucking hard as it is to, like, accept that at some point it all ends for all of us, like, just exist, like, be as present as you possibly can. And, like, this isn't to say, hey, have you tried not being depressed? <laughs> um, but... Being depressed still counts as living. Yeah, it does. I should know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, trying to bring yourself back to the moments and remembering the things that felt worthwhile and great and exciting and devastating and crushing and terrible because they are all part of this fucking shitty life experience. (laughs) But, like, we get to eat cotton candy whenever the fuck we want to. So, like, also, that's kind of dope. I mean, if it's available. Like, I guess that's a thing you have to think about. Like, see, I'm thinking cotton candy because they have it at Target right now, like in the container. Right. But, oh, like, Halloween after Halloween, up. I guess I'm fucking assed out on the cotton candy. You know what? Whatever. Like, Hershey's chocolate bars still exist. So, time, there you go. <laughs> one time, Cadbury eggs went on sale at CVS, and mm-hmm. I bought 48 of them. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I like them. How the fuck are you alive? I didn't eat all 48. I put the 48 into a bowl in my kitchen and then when people would come over just randomly i would be like would you like cadbury egg and i held out a bowl of cadbury eggs i arranged them in different designs on a table and took pictures of them it's it's like if you ever look at like what people do in like abundant economies um like they just do weird shit and that's exactly what happened it was look i told you i'm a little bit crazy (laughs) 48 48 cadbury eggs and it was 11 dollars. that's how much i spent $11 $11 and I got 48 Cadbury eggs. Or 12, $12. Wow. Yeah. And on that note. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't kidding about the gift card exchange. Oh, no, shit. Gift card. I was. Handmade card exchange. I was. Are we really doing that? I don't know. Why not? If, if we have to do the form and stuff. We up. have to start that now. Because remember, yeah. we started it late last time, and then we ended up waiting until 2021. Yeah, we need to promote it more this time. <laughs> oh, 
Does that mean I have to use our Twitter account? Whatever. We'll figure it out later. We don't have to do it tonight. Uh, do I have to be the social media manager here? Because like, <laughs> I do that in real life. No. Oh. Um, yeah, um, handmade gift card, gift exchange, not yeah. card. No, wait, no, nope, card. card. <laughs> handmade card exchange. That's the one. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, we'll aim for Thanksgiving. No. Christmas? We have to aim for Christmas. Don't do okay. this. Okay. okay. Bitches got dead. Like, you're going to do this in annual appeal season, winter, my man. <laughs> winter holiday card handmade mm-hmm. exchange. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Um, well, I, I know that our frequency of posting is sparse and Shit. irregular, but thank you for listening again. And as always, for mm-hmm. two hours, almost exactly at this point. Yeah. This is a little long, but I feel like it was worth it. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think for the most part, either one of us are okay with, like, talking about grief oh, at God, any point. Yeah. And so, like, if you're feeling grief and, like, maybe you don't have anybody to talk to, like, for all for all yeah, the ways totally. you can find us on the internet, <laughs> by all means, please. Yeah. Um, just 100%. reach out. Yeah. Um, and, like, we can... I've dealt with enough loss in my life that I feel like I'm like pretty comfortable talking yeah about it. also as a disclaimer i haven't had nearly as much therapy as aaron has and so if you want somebody who's not like <laughs> we'll burn this shit to the ground you want to talk to aaron um because no, my, he's very my grounded like, my, my approach is we'll we'll assemble all the dry tinder around the base of it first yes and then we will bring the gas yeah see not me i'm just and then we'll set it, set it i'm just like lighting matches and throwing them into the wind yeah. <laughs> um and thinking that's making any kind of difference um <laughs> but i think that we both are you know totally open to Definitely. talking about that it's it, it's really impossible i don't think that um I don't think that I would have gotten through the first year had it not been for the people who, like my friends on the internet, um, <clears throat> who sent me things from like my Amazon wish list and other books that helped me through the grief and the loss mm-hmm. and the struggle of it all, journals, pens, whatever, yeah. like just comfort, like comfort. It wasn't that I was like excited to get gifts, but like just things that reminded me to hold space for myself. Um... And, like, if you don't have a support system, I can't imagine how fucking devastating, how much more devastating, like, any kind of loss might be for you. If you don't have a support system, reach out to us. Yeah. We, we're totally really. okay. I, I'm 100% serious. Um, yeah. Just just do it. Yep. Yeah. Don't grieve alone. Yeah. Please don't. It's fucking impossible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we probably won't give you 48 Cadbury eggs, though. Because... I bet they're way more expensive than twelve dollars oh yeah. now. <laughs> they're like a dollar a piece now. All right, so we're not going to spend fifty dollars on Cadbury eggs, but I will eat some donuts in your direction. That's a good idea. If that's idea. a thing you like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I strongly would say reach out. Um, so we're on the Twitters and <laughs> and the Instagram. We're on Facebook too, right? <sighs> Aren't we? Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I get yes. notifications. Mm-hmm. Well, the face box. Um, so the podcast is Unexpected Undertaking on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it obviously features a pretty prominent photo of you and I mm-hmm. on. Looking super cute. As usual. Um, on the like cover photo. Yeah. Um, 
And the podcast is on Twitter. I don't think we've ever tweeted, though. And I think it's un underscore un podcast. Oh, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Or maybe it's like un mm, un. Mm. Oh, my God. See, I just, I couldn't. I don't know. This is why we haven't used the fucking Twitter. Insta- um, what is the Instagram's one? We don't have Instagram for the podcast, but we are individually. No, no, I am not creating another fucking Instagram. First of all, I think I'm at max accounts at this point. So unless <laughs> you want to manage the Instagram. No, God, okay, no. thank you. You don't even post to your own. So thank you. Um, we are individually, though, on Instagram. I would not suggest reaching out to Aaron because as he has clearly stated a million times before he does not really use his Instagram for shit you can wait you can reach out to me just like Instagram is probably not going to be a good way to reach out right to that's what I just said not oh. on Instagram okay <laughs> um so you are what on Twitter oh Armahillo and I am a few you know what I'll just put what I am in the fucking show notes because Sorry. I think I'm I think I'm FOMO yeah, on, on Twitter and well, then MoFo on Instagram Instagrams. now. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be trying to dodge y'all. <laughs> um, Twi- if, you, if you're going to reach out to me anywhere, Twitter is the best place because I do actually tweet fairly often. Yep. Um, you can at me. You can maybe DM me. I don't know if my DMs are open. Oh, my God. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, seriously, though, like I... I don't care what it's about or whatever. You can just, without any kind of intro, just say hi. Yep. Yeah. Aaron's very nice. I try. I will do my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, like, I wonder who sent y'all. Like, <laughs> I get a little skeptical. Um, but I definitely am also okay with it. Um, so reach out to me anywhere or Aaron anywhere and reach out to the podcast. Also, definitely one of us will sign into that account. Like and subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, share it with your friends or don't, whatever. It's not YouTube, sir. Calm down. I don't know. You, this is your thing. I just know the words. <laughs> you know the wrong words. <laughs> um, Start talking about web requests and databases. I'll, I'll chime in and be a knowledgeable we should start talking about ux (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah talk about the user experience Uh, oh my god (laughs) that's the next episode y'all in like six months um thanks for putting up with us and our very sporadic posting schedule we're sorry or you're welcome we are sorry or you're welcome (laughs) bye